More with David Sparks on our software tools and the Mac and iPad working together. This is Mac Voices. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by ZocDoc. Find doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Download the free ZocDoc app at ZocDoc.com slash MacVoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. This is the second in a two-part conversation with David Sparks of MacSparky.com. In the first one, we talked about his new shortcuts field guide for Mac, his transition away from the practice of law, and a whole lot more. This time around, David talks about the evolution of our software tools and gives us a little bit different angle on the possible convergence of the Mac and iPad. Let's go back and let David do the talking. Um, First of all, you just coined a phrase there that I love, and that's unimportant work, because I think there's a lot of unimportant work that goes on um, just because, and you know, that could be a whole separate discussion uh, regarding the pandemic and how much how much we discovered that we were doing unimportant work. Yeah. Busy work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but you know, it's, fu- it's interesting to hear you say that because I never really, I, I guess I never bought into the idea that it was going to make my life necessarily easier. I was always enamored with technology because it gave me the power to do some, something better, faster, do more of it. Um, as opposed to just saying, well, I won't have to do that anymore because you know, Rosie's going to bring me my drink and my slippers at night. <laughs> I think we're slicing the onion here, Chuck. I mean, isn't better, faster, easier? I mean, that's the same thing, really. Yeah, you know? yeah, maybe, maybe so. I guess I, I just yeah. never necessarily, necessarily looked at it that way. But yeah, yeah. you're probably right. Yeah. Okay. Although I, there is there is a fear there. I think some people get into the trap of saying, "Well, I can do it faster, so now I can do more of it." So uh, you or you know you just because you can do faster you still work just as many hours if not more because you're trying to crank more widgets out you know i'm more in favor of the let's figure out to do the important work and still have time to take the dog for a walk Uh, i i think we're going to have to do a philosophy discussion here at some point david okay Um, because (laughs) because i think it is you're not wrong about any of what you just said and i would never argue with it it's just really looking at the same thing from two different angles. Yeah. Well, we definitely are. I think a lot of us are on a treadmill right now and your life is going to pass you by before you know it. And if you don't get to do the most important work, you spend all your time answering email or, you know, checking Facebook status, uh, you're going to feel like you missed out. I'm getting too heavy, Chuck. So I'm sorry about that. Hey, not a problem. Not a problem. Um, David, in looking at the way, though, that you approach the field guides, guides at the way that you're approaching the, the new Max Sparky, and really having known you for all this time, how much of the education that you received as an attorney has informed the way you approach your projects? Well, I think that, you know, it's, attorneys are interested in facts and process, 
and you know figuring out things and breaking them down and putting them back together. Um, I, I think the reason I, I was attracted to the law because I've always been attracted to that methodology. It's the same kind of thing that attracts me to technology. So I would guess it's kind of all in one. You know, I, I do think that you know you can't look back on your life and have any regrets. I feel like doing the law for so long gave me a skill set that I wouldn't have otherwise. But um, also try to not dwell on it too much. You know, it's like okay, this is the thing I'm doing now, so focus on that thing. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there was a bit of it. And uh, legal education is a, a remarkable training because the way it works is they don't teach you anything. Um, they only ask you questions. And that it's called the Socratic method. And um, the I don't know if law schools still do it as aggressively as mine did, but the one I went to was super aggressive about the teachers. They never wrote an outline on the board. They never said, this is the principle of law we're teaching. They would give you, you know, 10 or 20 cases to read of prior law. And then they would ask you questions about it and try and elicit from you what the rules are. And, you know, eventually you would pick it up. But at the end, the, the teacher never told you, they only asked questions. It's an interesting way to learn. Yeah, it is. And I never really thought about it. I didn't know about it exactly that way in relation to what you do or kind of in relation to what a lot of us do as far yeah. as trying to, to inform our audiences about things. You know, we're constantly asking them, well, what do you want to know about or what questions do you have? But that was a little bit different approach that you experienced. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of attorneys have gone through the same process and, uh, I think there's a reason they're still doing it. You know, they, they got the idea from Socrates as the name implies, but it's an excellent way to teach. And, uh, it really requires you as the student to go on this journey and, and figure it out yourself. No, nothing gets spoon fed to you. I don't know if that really helps with what I'm doing, but you know, I still am a student in the way that I like to ask questions and come up with answers. Well, I, I asked the question just because I feel like you're, your approach to things is so structured and methodical is if I say methodical, I mean it as a compliment, not, sure, uh, you sure. know, cause it I'll could be it taken. Way. Well, it could be taken, yeah. you know, a lot of different ways that, Oh yeah, yeah. just do the same old thing for, for everything. And that's not it, but it it's, it's a method that lets you get to everything that, that you want to get to that you find important about Devon think or shortcuts or any of the other field guides that you've done. Yeah. Also, I think that's just like a great way to learn. Um, you know, I, I do think like, for instance, uh, the legal influence, when I was getting out of law school, I clerked for a federal judge. And so I read briefs all day, you know, the people who make arguments to the judge, they send the briefs in and then the clerks and externs read the briefs and, uh, advise the judge on what they think. And as a freshly new baby lawyer, actually I was a law student at the time. Um, not even a lawyer yet, the, uh, you know, there's a lot of different areas of law that I'm expected to read these briefs on and come and help, you know, advise the judge what he should do. And the best ones were the briefs that were written from, you know, step one, this is a contract, you know, just taking me through the whole methodology of how they get to what they want. The ones that started at step 15 assumed that I knew step one through 14, uh, first of all, that's a big assumption that I know the law for that. And then secondly, a lot of times each case is different. And even if I do know the law, I don't know the way it applies to your facts. And if you don't explain it to me, 
assuming that I'm going to figure it out is a big assumption. And if you're there to teach me about what your position is, then you should probably give me everything I need to work from. And that does influence. That influences the way I wrote briefs as a lawyer, and it influences the way I develop podcasts and, and field guides today. So you mentioned about how excited you are about the note, the world of note-taking. What else right yeah. now are, are you especially excited about? Um, well, I think note-taking is the big one for me now because that's the one that has the most action in it. <laughs> you know, um, Other fields that are interesting to me is cloud-based automation tools, which are starting to really get legs now. Things like... Um, you know, uh, you know the uh, if this then that, and some of the other competitors out there. Um, Zapier comes to mind. Uh, so there, there's a bunch of these tools now where you can go online and trigger automations that will work uh, from your computer that'll happen on the internet. And since so much of the stuff we do these days is on internet-based services, um, I think there's a real opportunity there for people to start doing automation. Like just recently, I've been experimenting with Mac Power users outlines of generating them via automation on internet tools because they're Google Docs. So now I don't have to like manually create outlines for shows. And just like stuff like that, I think is really interesting because it's kind of in its infantile state and we still have a long way to go with it. Shortcuts, frankly, is of interest to me because I feel like Apple has just cracked the door open on this. Uh, they spent the first year getting it stable on the Mac, but now that it's on all three platforms, uh, I think they're really going to open it up. This API that we have coming out with iOS 16 and Ventura is going to allow app developers to very easily make shortcuts actions. So stuff that before just wasn't available to you in shortcuts is going to be available to you now. So I think we're going to have an explosion of new actions available to us in shortcuts, which means better automation. I know there's a lot of stuff that I'm excited about, Chuck. <laughs> well, I, the note taking doesn't surprise me again, and, and from the way I view you, that that had to do with the law background. Um, the yeah. automation thing, yeah, I know you've been an automation um, enthusiast for a, for a long, long time. Um, but I find the the fact that you find the the cloud based automation the most exciting, since right now Shortcut seems to be putting that power into the hands of everyone. Um, yeah. Not just the folks who under understood Automator or AppleScript. Yeah, exactly. Democratizing automation. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so where do you go from here? I mean, you know, I've I, I'm not going to ask you to reveal anything that you don't want to reveal. But are you just going to continue? Is it just going to continue to build the uh, the Max Barkey Empire? Yeah, well, you know, I've got my plateful right now of making field guides and the labs and the podcasts. And right now I'd like to focus on getting good at those things. Um, I've got several updates available or coming up for some of my existing field guides. I like to, for some of them, I do updates as, you know, the operating system progresses. And I have some, some free updates coming that I'm working on right now for the keyboard Maestro one and the shortcuts for iPhone that are in production. So I want to get those out the door. And then uh, I've got a couple ideas about some future field guides that I'm, I'm working on. Uh, to the labs members I've told already, I'm, I'm seriously looking at making an Obsidian field guide, which is going to be a very niche one for me. I think there aren't that many people using Obsidian, but I feel like I've got something to say about it and what you could do with this application. So I'm probably going to do that one next. And, um, you know, I've got a list a mile long of things I want to do, Chuck. I just got to <laughs> figure it out. Uh, you know, I, I really have, have kind of, 
like I said earlier, I know I was getting preachy earlier, but I do feel like that this technology can help make our lives better and that we can can work on the things important to us, but also enjoy our lives if we figure out the technology. So um, I'm just aiming at that North Star and I'm going to keep making stuff to help people get there. This edition of Mac Voices is brought to you by the Mac Voices Slack, available to all patrons of Mac Voices. Sign up today at patreon.com slash macvoices. All right, so let's wrap up with one controversial question. And I'm, right, I'm really curious to see what happens with, with you yeah. with this. Um, how do you feel about the the iPad and Mac and iPhone to a lesser degree all moving together and becoming, I think, you know, one OS or one, one whatever? Yeah, so uh, I'll tell you, I think that I disagree with the question. Um, honestly, they, <laughs> they you had me with them moving together because, as you saw at this year's WWDC and the last couple of years, progressively we're getting these things where they add features to all three platforms at once. Like that, that just was not a thing up until very recently. And like when you used to be like, oh, we got a new feature in Apple Mail, but you got it on the phone and you didn't get it on the Mac or. We got a new feature in some other thing that showed up on the Mac, but nowhere else. And Apple, you know, I talked earlier about Swift UI and Swift and how Apple is unifying all of their platforms under a single operating um, uh, code and user interface thing. Uh, but they're not unifying the operating systems. They're unifying the tools that you can build. So you can create a set of code that can make a calculator and you can push some set of buttons and spit it out as a thing that you touch and another thing that you use a mouse to touch. And so they're, they're really trying to make it so developers can ship to all three platforms simultaneously. And Apple themselves is doing that. And almost every new announcement we got at WWDC is released for all three platforms. I think that is outstanding. I, I don't like the days when you got a cool feature, but you had to use a Mac or you had to use an iPad to get it. I want it on all platforms. So everybody, you know, was it rising tide raises all boats? What's that saying? I don't, I don't remember something like that, but I mean, yeah, I want it on everything. So I think that now the part that I disagree with is I don't think it means we're getting to a single operating system. I just don't think Apple's headed that way. I think they view the Mac as different from the iPad and the iPhone. And particularly there's a dividing line between the Mac on one side and the iPad and the iPhone on the other side. If you look at it, they've kept support for Apple script on the Mac. They've kept support for JavaScript. They've kept a bunch of things on the Mac that just don't exist on the iPhone and iPad and never will. And I do think, you know, talking to people at Apple, I was fortunate enough to actually attend the keynote at Cupertino this year. There's a bunch of people there that love the Mac. I feel like there'd be a revolt in Cupertino if Apple suddenly just abandoned the Mac. So um, I, I feel like they're moving in unison, but I still think they're separate operating systems. How's that for a controversial answer? Well, it's, it's not necessarily controversial, but it's a really interesting perspective that you're looking at it more from a feature perspective than an OS perspective. And I'm not sure I've heard anybody express it that way before. And well, I, I mean, like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do think that they're trying to move it all at the same time. In fact, you know, I, at one point, I watched the interview. Uh, John Gruber did a live interview with Jaws and um, and uh, Craig Federighi, and they admitted on stage that there was dispute inside Apple as to whether the keynote should be by platform or by feature. 
you know, where it used to always be first we get the Mac, then we get the iPad, then we get the iPhone. Wouldn't it make more sense to say, well, let's talk about mail and then talk about it on all, you know, on all platforms. And then let's talk about stage manager and talk about that on all platforms and actually go by a feature uh, basis rather than a platform basis, because so many of the features are duplicated within each platform that you have to like go back and talk about it three times. Hmm. And it does make a lot of sense. And yeah. I mean, it's been my contention a long time for a long time that, you know, they should be separate devices. Um, but you bring the, the fact that I want to do the same thing the same way from a, especially from a feature parity standpoint is an excellent one because who cares if I am using a mouse, a finger, a touchpad, a trackpad, an Apple pencil to, to yeah. manipulate things as long as I'm manipulating them in the same way. Yeah. Well, I want to do the same thing, not necessarily the same way. Like, on an iPad, the user interface is going to be different than on a Mac. You know, you're using your finger instead of a mouse. And, you know, you may be able to use swipes more, whereas on the Mac, the right click matters more. So I, I really think they, they look at them as a different, you know, way of going about it. Uh, a good example for me, and I think Apple at their best, was the mouse integration to the iPad. Because you, it would have been easy to add a mouse to the iPad that's exactly like they did it on the Mac. You get a little sharp arrow and it works, you know, you click on things and you're good. But because the iPad is a touch first device, it doesn't work that way. When you move the mouse around on an iPad, it, it's like a magnet. It snaps onto things that you would normally touch with your finger. And the mouse actually transforms into that object that you would touch with your finger until you pull away magnetically. Just if you ever have a, a chance and you haven't tried this, hook up a mouse to an iPad and just watch the way it works. It's really kind of uh, clever and charming, but it's also super appropriate for a touch first interface, but it would make no sense to do that on the Mac. And that's what I want. I want them to think about each platform and come to me with what makes most sense on that platform. But when you come out with cool features, I want them to show up on each platform in a way that makes sense for that platform. Does that makes sense. I know I'm, I'm rambling. I'm sorry, Chuck. No, no, you're not rambling. You're making, I think you're making perfect sense um, because you're right. Pinch and zoom um, for a touch interface makes perfect sense. But unless you're going to put a touch screen on a Mac, you, yeah. there's no way to touch to pinch and zoom on a Mac. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Unless you have a trackpad, then certain things can be pinched and zoomed in a different way though. Oh, well. Um, God, David, this, we have so much stuff to catch up on. Um, this has been really interesting and, and I appreciate the time. Um, cause I know you're quite busy. Um, but we, we just got to make this a regular thing. Yeah, we do. And thanks so much for helping me get the word out about the new field guides. I'm going to, um, put a, a 10% off code on, there's two versions of the uh, shortcuts for Mac field guide. There's one that's just the standard version. Uh, which is fifty dollars or ninety or forty nine, and then there's a the a plus version, which is ninety nine, and it includes a, a multi week webinar series where we're going to go through further and shortcuts. Um, I'm going to put a ten percent off coupon um, in there for anybody that's listening to the show. It's going to be I love Chuck. Just say I love Chuck, and then you get ten percent off. So check it out. I appreciate that. Hey, thank thank you, David. I know. Um, I hope the listeners will definitely take advantage of it. Not quite sure about the code, but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> we all love Chuck. Come on. Oh, yeah. How can you not? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
So the website is maxsparky.com, of course. Uh, Mr. David Sparks, I hope to have him back uh, a lot more often when I can tear him away from creating field guides. David, great to have you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Chuck. Good luck with the house. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. If you're into shortcuts or if you're getting into shortcuts, David's Field Guide is a way that you can get get to the top even faster. Please check it out. Until the next time, and as always, thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.